Father, we come before you this morning, uh, thanking you for, uh, yeah, this morning, uh, this day that you have made. And God, if we aren't already, help us to be glad and rejoice in it. Um, yeah, this, this second day of the new year, thank you for graciously and mercifully allowing us to see it. Um, yeah, we even think, yeah, just uh, New Year's Eve, uh, some people didn't make it to see New Year's Day. And so, God, we, we thank you for allowing us to, to be here on the second day of the new year. And, God, we pray uh, that we will, yeah, do a better job of, of thanking you this year. If we didn't do it last year, we can always thank you so much more uh, because there's so much to be thankful for. Even in the hardest of times, um, we can thank you because you're good. And even in the hardest of times, you remain good. Um, and so help us to know that this morning. Help us to believe that this morning. And God, I pray uh, that as we now dive into your word, uh, that you will speak to our hearts from your word. Uh, that you will, yeah, by your word and by your spirit, um, yeah, help us to understand. Give us understanding. Give us insight. Um, give us, grant us wisdom, O oh Lord. Would you, yeah, by your word, do uh, the work in our hearts. So let your word do the work in all of our hearts in every way that you see fit. And uh, we pray that when it's all said and done, that we will, um, yeah, see Jesus as beautiful as he is and as magnificent and glorious. And that we will, yeah, seek to please him more today and this year and glorify him with our lives. And so God, hide me behind your word, hide me behind the cross. I pray that you would increase and that I would decrease. And we pray all this in Christ's name, amen, amen. Well, once again, good morning, family, uh, and happy new year once again. Um, so glad that we could all uh, be on together uh, this Sunday morning, this Lord's day to worship Jesus. Um, and so just a, just a brief update for, for those of you all joining us for the first time and whatnot. So normally, as I've already mentioned in the introduction, we would meet uh, in person at 5 p.m. at uh, 905 Alabama Ave Southeast. But after a year or so of our church body being clear uh, from COVID, uh, it finally hit some of our members uh, at our church and not only uh, members at our church, but members of, of multiple churches, I mean, locally, but all throughout the world, um, hitting, hitting members and families and so forth and so forth. And so for the safety for everyone and for recovery time, uh, for those who tested positive in our congregation, we moved our service to Zoom last Sunday and uh, here now as we're gathered via Zoom this morning. So once again, the plan, Lord willing, is to meet back in person next Sunday. And so if you live here in the DMV and you're joining us, uh, you're visiting with us, if you live here in the DMV, I uh, want to invite you to consider joining us next Sunday as we gather in person, Lord willing. Uh, so wearing masks and sitting socially distant uh, and getting a temperature check um, will be required at the door. Uh, this is something we've been doing since the pandemic, since we started meeting in person. And so we will continue that by God's grace. Um, so come through. It would be, be dope to, to have you with us. If you're meeting with us outside of DMV uh, in another state outside of the DMV, 
And so DC, Maryland, Virginia, um, thank you for joining us. We're so glad that you are, are with us. But let me encourage you, if you aren't already plugged into a, a, a local church near you, uh, let me encourage you to get plugged into a Bible-believing, a gospel-preaching church near you. Uh, if you need help finding a church, uh, it will be my joy to, to help you in that way, to assist you in that way. Um, and so as I have already dropped the link in the chat, if, if that's you, you can even communicate that if you fill in your information there. Um, at our website, but it would be my joy to, to help support you in that way. And so with that, if you've been with us for services, you'll know that we've been in a sermon series through the book of Ephesians. Uh, we've been walking through the book of Ephesians slowly since the second Sunday uh, of April uh, last year when we, when we first launched. And so we launched on Easter Sunday and after Easter Sunday, we've been in the book of Ephesians slowly throughout uh, the months. And so we are about done with uh, the sermon series through Ephesians. So we're, we're, we're almost wrapping up. We'll be wrapping up, Lord willing, here in the coming weeks. Uh, but as we look ahead, as we finish through the book of Ephesians, we'll be starting a sermon series, a new sermon series through the Gospel of Mark. And so the Gospel of Mark, one of the Gospels uh, in the New Testament. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we'll be starting a new sermon series in the Gospel of Mark. And I'm, I'm excited for that. And you know, as with any sermon, whether it's me preaching or any of the faithful brothers from CHCC or outside of CHCC, I just want to encourage us as a church family to be praying for the preached word, right? So be praying for the preached word week in and week out. And so with that, let us, let us now turn our attention to God's word. And so if you have a Bible, uh, please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 2. So Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 2. It's where we're going to be. And if you're new to the Bible, no worries. Just use the table of contents there uh, and find where we are and jump in with us from there. You can use the table of contents. But for those of you all, you cool kids who are using, you know, your smartphones and tablets and whatnot, uh, you're good to go from there. So Hebrews chapter 12, one through two, uh, that's where we'll be. So I'll give you a moment to, to find that and then we'll, we'll dive into God's word this morning. All right, so Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 reads as follows. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is God's word. Amen. Amen. So quick question. How many of you all on here uh, make New Year resolutions? It's a rhetorical question, so you don't have to shout it out or drop it in the chat. Just, you know, how many of you all on here make New Year resolutions? If some of you all aren't familiar with that practice, uh, here's how Webster's Dictionary defines New Year resolutions. It says it's a promise to do something differently in the new year, right? So things that, you know, you would have hoped to have done differently in 2021, you know, things where you would have been like, man, I wish I would have done better in this, or I wish, you know, I would have, 
you know, met this goal, et cetera, et cetera. You're hoping to do that on January 1 and throughout the rest of the year. You're hoping to do better in that, right? You're hoping to do something differently. So here's another question. Once again, rhetorical. Uh, How many of you, with it being day two of the new year, have already failed in keeping whatever resolutions or goals that you made for yourself? All right, you don't have to shout it out. But how many of us, after already setting some goals, after already setting some resolutions, have already fallen short of whatever those goals or whatever, you know, those things that we set for ourselves? I don't do New Year resolutions. No shade to anyone who does. It's fine. Uh, but when I did, I, I found them hard to, to keep up with. Uh, maybe a part of it for me was that resolutions tend to be based on things that we strive to do in our own strength versus relying and resting on God's strength to accomplish in it, to accomplish it in us and through us, right? Uh, then when you don't keep up with it, you are weighed down by shame and guilt, et cetera, et cetera, right? Maybe some of you all can relate with that. And I just think as we are in this second day of the new year, I don't believe it's God's intent. I don't believe it's God's will for us to be coming into the new year weighed down by shame, weighed down by guilt from resolutions that we may have not kept already. I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't believe that's God's intent for us. For some of us, we just need to rest more in God this year. We just need to rest more in God, you, one, you need to physically rest, you know, you, you know, physically rest, get, get some good rest, go to bed at a decent time, rest well, right? So that you can, by God's grace, wake up the next day if, if, if he wills and, and are able to, to do whatever it is that you have on your plate for that day to, to physically rest. But then also we need to spiritually rest in Jesus, We need to spiritually rest in Jesus who has done the work for us. He's already done the work for you and for me. And so we just need to receive that more. We just need to rest in that more. And then we just need to rejoice. We just need to rejoice in it more. So if you did make New Year resolutions, once again, rhetorical question, right? How many of you at the top of your list had to live and to look more like Jesus? on the top of your list, right? If you made New Year resolutions, if you made, you set some goals this year, how many of us had that at the top of our list to to look more like Jesus, to live more like him, right? How many of us had that? Is it that the most important goal? It's the most important goal. It should be for us as Christians, the most important goal. And I believe our passage this morning will help us think more about that goal. Uh, So if you're taking notes, here's the main idea of our passage. If you're you're taking notes, if you're writing those down or if you're typing them in your notes or whatever on your phone or whatever case may be, here's here's the, the main idea of our passage this morning. It's this. Keep looking to Jesus as you run the race of the faith. All right. We're day two in the new year. Keep looking to Jesus as you run the race of the faith. Two points to help us guide our time together. Very simple outline. One, run the race. 
And we'll see that in verse one. All right. So one, run the race. We'll see that in verse one together. And then number two, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. All right. So so number one, run the race. Look back with me at verse one of Hebrews chapter 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So you see in verse one, you see that first word there. It says, therefore, well, that word therefore is there to point us to everything that's before, right? To point us to to everything that's before that word and everything that's before that word is in chapter 11 of Hebrews, right? So Hebrews chapter 11 is similar to when someone says, I say this all the time. Some of you all might say this too. It's similar to someone who says in light of this, now X, Y, and Z, right? In light of these things, now X, Y, and Z. And in this case, the author of Hebrews tells us what that X, Y, and Z is in the next phrase. He tells us, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, right? Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. So here's the part of the sermon where we have subpoints, right? So here's the first subpoint witnesses. Witnesses. The first subpoint. The author includes himself as one who's surrounded by the cloud of witnesses. You see that word? If you look uh, at verse one of chapter 12, it says, since we, right? So we, the author includes himself as one of the witnesses uh, or surrounded by one of the witnesses, excuse me. And as one commentator comments, it says the word used here for witness, which is martyrs, uh, those who have died for the faith. That's what that word witness means. Uh, does not usually denote spectator. And yet the use of the imagery here presupposes such a meaning, right? So then who are the witnesses? Who are the witnesses? Well, the author is referring to all who was mentioned in chapter 11, right? And so I would encourage you uh, maybe today or sometime this week to read chapter 11 and you'll see just the the amazingness of, of what's listed uh, in chapter 11. So the witnesses that he's referring to, he's referring to folks like Abraham, right? Abraham, Old Testament, Moses, and others. These brothers and sisters are what some have called the hall of faith, right? The hall of faith. They were examples of those who believed God, right? They believed God by faith. They trusted God. And I believe after reading, you know, some commentary that the witnesses may also include uh, those of us on this call who are genuine believers. Uh, those who are around the world who are genuine believers. Right. So here's what I mean by that. So that phrase surrounded by a great cloud is meant to express that it's a lot of people. So the word choices there surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses uh, is referring to a lot of people, a massive amount of people, a lot of faithful witnesses who have journeyed with God, who have believed God by faith. So here's the point by way, by way of illustration. Here's the point by way of illustration. Imagine if you and me were Olympic athletes and we were about to run, right? To run a race. 
We look up in the stands as we're about to run the race and you see other Olympic athletes who have run in the same race and they're now rooting for you and they're rooting for me as we are about to uh, run the race and continue running this race. One commentator says it this way, says these witnesses who watch from the stands are those well qualified to inspire. They bear witness to the faithfulness of God in sustaining them. They are there as encouragers to present contestants to the present contestants. They're they're there as encouragement to the present contestants. All right. So we're surrounded by. So great a cloud of witnesses, of faithful brothers and sisters who have gone before us, who are around us, who are rooting us on, encouraging us to keep running the race. So point number two, lay aside every weight and sin. Lay aside every weight and sin. You see that in the text? Here's what it reads. It says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Clings so closely. I love how... The New Living Translation uh, version of this passage puts this verse. It says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. All right. So you continue the illustration about running a race. If you were running, uh, you wouldn't put a 50 pound weight, 50 pound weights on your shoulders, would you? If you're running a race, you wouldn't put 50 pound weights on your shoulder. Nah, that would that would uh, slow you down. That would weigh you down. It would make you heavy and slow. You wouldn't be able to run the race. It would weigh you down. It would keep you from running fast. So some Bible scholars, they debate on the difference, if any, uh, between the words weight and sin in the text. Some see it meaning uh, two separate things. Some see the word sin explaining what the weight is. One commentator on speaking about the difference says one will restrict their activity. So the weights, the other would mar their performance. So the sin, I'll say that again. So one will restrict their activity. He's referring to the weights. The other would mar uh, their performance. Sin. So one, the weights will hinder you from starting the race or even continuing. The other sin will damage your performance. It will taint your performance. It will damage your performance. That's what the quote is saying. So then all in all, here's the here's the point of where I'm getting at with this. All in all, we want to throw off everything that will hinder us from running well. We want to throw off. We want to use uh, the NLT language to strip off every weight and sin that will keep us from running the race of the faith well in 2022. Some examples of weight and sin that some of us may need to throw off are pride. Pride. Some of us, and I raise my hand, I'm I'm at the front of the line, right? I'm the chief, as Paul says, I'm the chief of all sinners. Some of us are proud and, and arrogant and boastful, right? Once again, I'm included. Some of you find it hard to ask others for help when you are really in need of some help. You call it independence. The Bible calls it pride. Your pride can rob your church family of the opportunity to serve and care for you if you let it. And in the end, you're robbing yourself of that opportunity. We're robbing ourselves of that opportunity if we let pride hinder us. 
from receiving help by brothers and sisters who love us much and who are, yeah, God has, has gifted to us to, to support us and help us in that way. So God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, right? So may we all seek to be more humble in 2022 and do away with pride that weighs us, that might weigh us and hinder us from running the race well. Number two, just a few examples of weight and sin. Fear of people. Fear of people. So I'm not meaning in the sense of fearing people in the sense that you're afraid that they'll hurt you or something. Although that could be a legitimate fear as well. Don't want to downplay that. But I'm more so referring to what the Bible calls fear of man or being a slave to people. So what that means is, is that you are ruled by what people say or think of you or what you think people say or think of you, right? You're searching for their approval in different ways. You're searching for, for the approval of people when the only approval you really need is from God. To be approved by God. As someone, once again, I raise my hand, as someone who struggles with this at times, Here's a passage that I have found just life-changing for me and continues to be life-changing for me. And I pray that it might free some of you all, all of you all, all of us this morning. So Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 6, and when he's talking about himself and the other uh, apostles, or other leaders, he says, in verse 3, 1 Thessalonians 2, he says, For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Did you, did you hear that in that passage, that freedom <laughs> that we all need daily? That Paul says here, we have been approved by God. If you are a Christian, you have already been approved by God, right? And that your aim is not to seek to please man, but to please God. Who tests our hearts? Then he says, nor, nor do we seek glory from people. So we don't need to seek glory from people. God is glorious. We seek God's glory. He's the only one that's glorious. And so may this free you. May this free us. May it continue to free us. So fear God, not people. Right? Uh, and when I say fear God... Not meaning in the sense of fearing God, like he's the boogeyman or something along those lines, because he's not. But there is an element that we are to have a healthy fear. He is God of the universe. He did create everything we see, right? The trees and you know the stars and the mountains. And he created you and me in his image. So he is the only creator, the holy creator. So there is an element of if God wanted to, right? Not saying he is. 
And we, we see this in scripture, but that he could take people out at any time. Anytime he want, take people out. So he is God, and he is holy, and he is righteous, and he is judge. But to fear him is to revere him, to have a reverence for him, too. That word reverence means to, to have an awe, to be in awe. Like if you were standing, you know, at the top of the mountains and you looked out and you're like, wow, man, that's amazing. Like, that's beautiful. That's glorious to, to be in awe. And even that illustration doesn't even, doesn't even give it justice, doesn't do justice to God, who he is. Right. Number three, just still thinking about different weights and sins that can can weigh us down, burdens and anxieties, right? Different burdens or different anxieties. Once again, let me raise my hand because as one who struggles with anxiety, I'm chief, right? So your worries, your cares or burdens can tend to weigh you down, all right? They weigh you down, but they aren't yours or mine to carry. For one, you and I can't carry them. We can't carry them. But God delights in carrying them all. He's big enough to hold them and good and gracious enough to handle all of your deepest worries. Let me say that again. Maybe that is encouraging somebody this morning. It's encouraging me to know this truth about God. He is big enough to hold them and good and gracious enough to handle all of your deepest worries. So give them to him this morning. Were you anxious about coming into the new year for whatever reason, right? Give it to God this morning. He's big enough to carry it. He's big enough to hold your burdens. Those different things that might weigh you down. Find hope in that. Find encouragement in that. Amen. So the word sin here, in the text, as it continues to say, it says, let us lay aside every weight, right? And sin, which clings so closely. So sin here is referring to all sin. So then what's sin? Sin is any thought or word or action uh, that breaks God's righteous standard. And family, we've all broken God's righteous standard, his commandments, right? You might be like, not me. I didn't break God's law. I didn't break God's commandments. I'm a good person. Well, the Bible says no one is good. Only God is. The Bible tells us no one is good. Only God is. Check out Romans 3 about that. So just to do a little quick test. Once again, these are rhetorical questions. You don't have to shout it out. Not like that. It's just one question. Um, Really not even a question. It's a statement. Uh, If you've told a lie before, and I have, I've told many lies then you've broken God's commandment, right? Thou shalt not lie is one of God's commands. So then if you've broken that law, there's nine of them left, right? And James 2.10 tells us if you break one commandment, then you're guilty of all 10 of them, right? So if you break one, you're guilty of all 10. Here's what it says. James 2.10 says, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point, has become guilty of it all, right? So we're all guilty. We have all sinned. 
Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So we can conclude that we're all sinful before God, that we've all broken God's law, right? That we're all on the same level playing with that, all sinners. So then why do we sin? Well, we sin because we're sinners. We sin because we are sinners. We were born sinners. So here's the, the message of the scriptures, right? The, the, if we had to, we talked about this some last week and in other times, but if you had to summarize the, uh, the meta narrative or the, the story of scripture you could or the gospel you could say, God, man, Christ's response, right? And so our story begins with God, that God created uh, the heavens and the earth. He created the stars, the moon, the sun, the trees, everything that we know and see today. And then he created you and I in his image after his likeness, right? Created us to enjoy him and uh, worship him forever, right? But we are fallen. We have sinned. And so our first parents, they, they ruined it for all of us, Adam and Eve, God gave a direct command. Uh, they disobeyed. Uh, and because of their disobedience, God judges them uh, by saying, you will now die if you eat of this particular fruit from the tree. And they did. And because of their disobedience, we've inherited their disobedience and we've inherited their judgment, which is death. And Every human being since then has been born with that same nature, that same, um, yeah, nature, sin nature, the propensity to sin. None of us, when we were born, had to be taught how to lie, to, to be taught how to steal. It was just in us because we're sinful. And before we come to know Christ, we love our sin. We enjoy it. We delight in it. Right. And so so that's that's all of us. Right. And so the author continues to say that this sin clings so closely. Right. This sin clings so closely. Other translations say uh, it so easily entangles or it easily trips us up. So all sin entangles. All of us, family, can be easily caught up and tripped up if we're not careful. So Bible scholars don't believe that this is referring to one particular sin, like a besetting sin. Uh, we all struggle with sin as we've concluded, right? We're all sinners. But for some of us, uh, we may have a certain sin that is, is hard for us to shake. Uh, a particular sin that entangles us easily or easily trips us up, right? Just to use an example, that could be pornography, Right? For some who struggle with pornography or any sexual sin, easily entangles you, easily trips you up, right? Just to use an example. But God loves you more than the temporary pleasure that you're experiencing in that particular sin or any sin. God loves you more than any temporary pleasure. So we want to throw off all sin, 
sin hurts you, it hurts me, it hurts others close to us. Don't give in to any kind of sin. It always overpromises and underdelivers. Jesus offers a better promise, and he always comes through on his promises. We'll see that in, in just a second as we continue to work through the passage. So the last some point here in this verse, run with endurance. Run with endurance. Look back with me at the text. What does it say as it continues? After it says, and sin which clings so closely, it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we got a banging support group, right? That's the, the uh, we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Um, and we got to do away with anything that's hindering us, right? The weight or any sin in our lives. We must kill that daily on a daily basis. And as we do that, we must run. Right? That's what the text tells us, to, to run. We, we, we must run like Forrest Gump, all right? I'm sure some of you all have seen this movie. If not, sorry, this is a spoiler on this scene. But it's about this famous scene when little Forrest Gump was running away from some bullies, right? Uh, he had on leg braces to correct his spine or something along those lines uh, as he couldn't walk properly. Uh, but when the bullies were coming, and you all may remember this scene if you've seen the movie. When the, when the bullies were coming, you remember the, the little girl he was talking to? Uh, she tells him to run. You could probably hear it in your head now if you've seen the movie. She said, run, Forrest. You remember that? She tells him to run, and then he starts booking. He starts going. And as he runs, you hear her in the background. As he continues to run, you hear in the background him, her still saying, run, Forrest. And after he looks back and he sees the bullies coming even closer, they're inching closer, all of a sudden, the leg braces fall off. The leg braces start to fall off, and he was gone. Fast like flash, gone. Gone. So we must run, Christians. We must run. And as we run, we run with endurance. We run with endurance. Some translations say persevere there. The idea here is to put in some effort. To put in some effort. So no athlete is going to be a successful athlete. If he or she doesn't train, if he or she don't put in some effort. So it's the same for us as Christians. If we want to run the race of the faith well this year, if you want to look and live more like Jesus in 2022, then you're going to have to put in some effort, some effort. You're going to need to pick up your Bibles and read it regularly. You're going to need to spend some time in prayer faithfully. You're going to need to regularly meet with God's people to gather with God's people like we're doing now on Zoom or in person. Regularly meet with God's people. And you're going to need to fight in the spirit and by the spirit to live a holy life, to live a holy life. Now, you and I won't be able to do any of this in our own strength, Right. We must trust God. We must trust God as we seek to put in some effort, right? We must trust and rest in his effort that has already been uh, laid out for us, that has already been accomplished in Christ.
And so I love how Paul instructs us in Philippians 2, verses 12 to 13. Here's what he says. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You see that? So, yeah, there is an element of, yeah, we need to put in some work, right? Uh, we need to pick up, we, you know, if your Bible is on your shelf, right, you, you're never going to know the will of the Lord. You're not going to know more of Christ if you don't pick it up and read it. So there is an element of you got to pick up your Bible and you need to read it and you need to pray and ask God to give you insight, to give you understanding, right? And you need to meet with God's people where God has organized it that, man, we, we grow in, you know, uh, knowledge of God and wisdom of God, et cetera, et cetera, as we also meet with his people, right? And we, we grow in our, you know, battle against sin as we seek to fight sin by his spirit and through his spirit. We, we do that by his spirit. We do that in community, by confessing sin to God and confessing sin to one another and getting some accountability and help to, to help us. If, if some of us are struggling with some of those different sins that entangle us and whatnot, like yeah, you got to do that together in community. That's the way the Lord has designed it. And what a beautiful design that is. So we put in some work, but we trust in and we rest in God's work that enables us to work, Right. So then also the idea of running with endurance means to, to run in the midst of challenges, to run in the midst of challenges, in the midst of life's hardest moments. And in 2021, we all had some hard moments, didn't we? We all had some hard moments. But there will be more in 2022. There will be more hard moments in 2022, I'm sure. But. We must keep running despite the hard moments. We must keep running because God will be with you. God will help you. He will sustain you. He sustained you in 2021. He kept you in 2021. And he'll keep you in 2022. So keep trusting him. Keep looking to him. So then lastly, Notice this isn't a race that you and I have ordained, right? This isn't a race that you and I have created. Uh, the text tells us that this race was that is set before us, that is set before us. God is the sovereign creator. God is in control. Even so, that he has ordained, that he has orchestrated the very Christian race that we're all running. God has established this race, not you and I. Right. So the idea here is to, to press on, to, to press forward to the end and receive your reward, to receive our reward. And what's our reward? It's him. It's God. You keep pressing. You keep moving forward. You keep running this race. Well, we receive God now, but oh, we will have him for all of eternity. Being with him in his presence. Don't you long for that? It's better than here. It's better than the sin, uh, you know, infested world we live in. It's, it's, it's better than everything that we could have even imagined here as we are with him in his presence. So 
We press forward to the end. We receive our reward, which is God. I love how Paul puts it here in another place, uh, same book, uh, Philippians, that we uh, just quoted earlier. But Philippians 3, 12 to 14, it says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made, has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own uh, or made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Christian, keep pressing, keep moving forward, keep running the race. Some people who you may know personally or from afar, uh, they stopped running the race in 2021. They, they, they turned away from Jesus. And sadly, this meant that they never knew Jesus to begin with. No one who truly knows Jesus stops following him. Not after you've seen his beauty. Not after you have genuinely received his love. So when we see or hear of people falling away from the faith, don't panic. Uh, Don't lose hope. Pray for them. Pray for them that God would indeed save them. Right? Keep sharing the good news of Christ with them. Keep loving them. Keep serving them. And you, Christian, keep running the race. Don't get distracted. Keep running. Some who you may know or know from afar bear the name of Christian, but have drifted away from Christian teaching, right? They got caught up in some false teaching that on the surface may sound like it's good teaching, but there's something that's been added. When you start to pull back and you start to really dissect what is being taught, you you start to find and see that there's something that's been added. Right. That then makes it off. That makes it not sound teaching. They were once hype men and hype women for gospel centrality or, you know, for Christ centered teaching and for even, you know, ecclesiology, which which is the study of the church, which is church centered teaching. But they've gone away from that. They've gone away from that again. Don't fret, family. Don't worry. Pray for them that they would return to the truths of Scripture that they once proclaimed, that they once proclaimed. Keep sharing the truth with them and keep modeling the truth before them. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Keep running. Keep running the race. And as you do and as you run the race, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, which leads to our second and final point this morning. Look to Jesus. Look that with me at verse two as we move along. It says, look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So in, in a race, you're not, you're not looking when you're running a race, right? You're not, you're not looking to your left and to your right when you're running that race or looking behind you. No, no, no. 
You're, you're looking forward. Your, your eye is on the finish line. Your gaze is on the finish line. So it is with the Christian. So it is with us. As we run, we are to look to Jesus. We are to, to look to him. He is the goal. He is our prize. We look to him. So we look to Jesus in the beginning of the race, right? So when you first believed, when you first trusted Jesus for salvation, you looked to him for salvation at the beginning of your Christian walk. But then throughout your Christian journey, throughout your Christian walk, you continue to look to Jesus. You continue to look to him. One translation says, fixing your eyes on Jesus. So our gaze is to be on him at all times. And then what's, what's so dope about this, fam, what's, what's so amazing about this is that we're looking to someone who can relate to us in every way, right? So Jesus is God. He is divine, but he's also human. He's also man. And in his humanity, he knows the race far greater than we could ever imagine. And we'll, we'll see this in just a second that he's the founder and perfecter of it all, right? But he knows how it feels to be mistreated and treated unjustly. He knows what it feels like to be tempted by sin, but not give in to that sin because he's God, because he's sinless. There's no sin in him. And he's perfect. I mean, just listen to verses three through four of this chapter, right? Of chapter 12 that we're in. So just a few verses down, look down with me or scroll down. We're not studying these verses this morning, but, but just, just listen to what they say. It says, consider him, talking about Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Jesus knows, right, what it, what it means to be tempted by sin, to, to struggle against sin. He knows. He, he was treated hostile, treated unjustly, but it was the will of the Lord for him to be treated in that way. So Hebrews 4.15 tells us that Jesus is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, right? This is what it says. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Right? He can sympathize with our weaknesses, family. He sympathizes with us. He has been tempted in every way as we have been, yet without sin. So we must look to Jesus. And then the passage continues to tell us more reasons why we must look to him. Right. So the start of about three sub points here. It says so first sub point here under this uh, point is founder and perfecter of our faith. So he's the founder and perfecter of our faith. Some translations say author in the place of founder. Uh, the word means that he's the pioneer, right? That he's the pioneer, that, that he is the trailblazer of the faith. The word faith here is meant to describe the whole span of the Christian journey, right? You might even hear myself or others, you've heard over time, 
when sometimes when we refer to Christianity, we might say to the faith, uh, the faith, which means Christianity. We're talking about the whole span of the Christian journey. So he has granted believers faith and trust in the gospel. Right. But here he's talking about the whole span that Jesus is the author and perfecter of the faith. Right. And also our faith that we receive when we believe on him. But he is also the pioneer of the former saints, like those mentioned in chapter 11 that we uh, talked about earlier. So he inspired the Old Testament saints. He gave them hope then and is something better that was to come. So he is also the perfecter of our faith. He took the faith of the Old Testament saints in ours today and he brought it to completion, brought it to completion. Look just above chapter 12, verse one. Look at look at the end of chapter 11 there. It says in verses 39 through 40. Look, look what it reads. It says, and all these talking about the hall of faith, right? That we were talking about early. All of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So he perfected the faith. He brought it to completion, right? And how did he bring that to completion, right? How did he bring that to completion? Well, he did it by doing something necessary. As we continue on, here's the next sub point. He did it by enduring the cross. He did it by enduring the cross. You see that in the text there, right? It says, after founding perfecting of our faith, uh, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. So Jesus became the ultimate once and for all sacrifice to provide salvation for humanity. And he satisfied the judgment of God due to all sinners. Right. In the Old Testament, saints would sacrifice bulls and goats to atone for sin. But then as I was studying this week, I was reminded of, of, of something really amazing. Sacrifices go all the way back to Genesis 3, where God himself provides the first sacrifice. You know what I'm referring to? You may know. So as we think about, you know, as I started talking about, you know, uh, God, man, you know, so God created everything, created human beings in his image after his likeness. Man has fallen, man has disobeyed God, and as a result, uh, God judges humanity accurately and rightly. Uh, after judging them, after Adam and Eve sinned, right, after they disobeyed God's command, uh, what did they do? They, they tried to run. They, they tried to hide themselves because sin is, is shameful, and it brings guilt. And so before they sinned, they were naked and unashamed. After they sinned, they saw their nakedness and they were ashamed of it. They were ashamed of it, right? And then they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves, right? But what's so amazing about God is that God runs after them as he has ran after us, for those of us who have trusted Christ by faith. So he, he comes to them, right? As it says in the garden, he calls out to them. He he condemns them. He judges them rightly and accurately because of their sin before him. But then guess what he does? He comforts them. He comforts them. How, how does he comfort them? 
Well, the Bible tells us that he clothed them. He clothed them. And this was a redemptive covering, right? So uh, Genesis 3, 21, uh, you don't have to turn there. You can if you want, or you can write this reference down. I'm going to read it here. Genesis 3, 21 says, and this is after, right? God has, has judged them, has condemned them, but then he, he comforts them. He says, it says, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them, right? So those clothes weren't made out of fig leaves, right? As they tried to cover themselves and hide themselves before. It wasn't made out of fig leaves. The text says garments of skins. And what garments of skins then? It was from an animal. God sacrificed an animal to provide for Adam and Eve, to provide a covering for Adam and Eve, right? And this was a redemptive covering, right? To, to point to the ultimate covering that God would provide in Christ, right? Where, where Christ comes and he is the ultimate sacrifice, right? He, you know, fulfills all of the sacrifices in the Old Testament that were a foreshadow of his sacrifices, ultimate once and for all sacrifice that was needed and necessary to be made, but he makes that sacrifice. Jesus comes, and why does he make that sacrifice? He makes that sacrifice because of your sin, because of my sin, right? We already concluded that we're all sinners, and our sin separates us from God, and that we deserve God's judgment because of our sin, and that judgment will be an eternal separation from a loving God who created you in his image after his likeness so that you can know him and enjoy him forever, you'll be eternally separated from him if you have not placed your trust in what Jesus has done. What did he do? Well, he endured the cross. He was treated unjustly. Jesus had no sin for which he had to die for because he's God and because he's perfect and because he's sinless. He went to the cross for our sin. And he went there willingly and willfully. He took our place. That's what that word atonement means, that he sacrificed himself. He, yeah, he took our place on the cross and he died. A, a painful death, excruciating death, the worst kind of deaths. As, yeah, we've learned that a crucifix, to die by crucifixion, the worst so he dies that death for you and me, family. And he's buried in a grave. And he didn't stay there long. On the third day, he was raised from the dead with all power and dominion. And because of his life, death, and resurrection, he offers salvation to all who would respond. So God, man, Christ responds, who would respond by repenting, by turning away from sin, turning away from the things that God hates and turning, turning to God in Christ by faith, by belief. And so if you're on here this morning and you have not trusted Jesus for salvation, we want to invite you to that this morning. We want to invite you to, to believe upon the Savior who came to deal with your sin. You're trying to deal with your sin, but you can't deal with your sin. Jesus came to deal with your sin and to, to do away with your sin. 
So believe upon him for salvation. Do that now. Right? If, you know, if, if you, you know, uh, when you think about it, when you think about all of the decisions, when we think about, to use that example of, of um, New Year's resolutions, goals, this is the best goal. This is the best decision that you could ever make. Turn to Jesus for salvation. Turn from your sin. Turn to him by faith. If you did that or would like to learn more about how to do that, uh, I would love to talk with you. Would love to, to help you along in that journey. Uh, if you look in the chat, uh, you'll see that link there. And you can even communicate that in uh, that link. If you, you know, putting your information in, in that note, in that message line saying, man, I, I trusted Jesus for salvation or I want to learn more about what it means to, to follow Jesus. Uh, it would be my joy. It would be our church's joy to, to help you along in that journey. If you are a believer, praise God, right? Keep believing in the righteousness of another. Not your righteousness, Jesus' righteousness for you in your place and in my place. Keep Resting in the finished work of Christ on the cross that granted you faith, right? That will sustain your faith and that will bring you into his presence forever. Continue to believe upon him. Continue to trust him. And not only that, share this good news. Share this good news. This year, right now, May we all resolve to live more like Jesus, to look more like Jesus, and to share the message of Jesus more. May we all resolve. May that be a resolution. May that be a goal to to live like him more, to look like him more, and to share his message more and more. And then lastly, family, as we come to a close, the last sub point, he's seated on the throne. He's seated on the throne. Here's what the text says. Here's what it concludes. It says, he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus is seated on the throne of heaven right now. He is the son of God seated at the right hand of God, the father. So just something really briefly in thinking about what I just mentioned, as that might be a little like, Oh, so Jesus is God, but he's sitting at the right hand of God. How does that all work out? How, how does that all pan out? Well, the Bible teaches that God has displayed himself in three persons, right? So this is what we call the Trinity, right? So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Christians believe this as this is what the Bible teaches about God, that God has displayed himself in Trinity, right? So he's one being, three distinct persons, right? So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One essence, one God, three distinct persons who have uh, function, are functioning in three different roles as it relates to salvation, right? Where God the Father, you know, initiates, he, he sends the Son, Jesus, who is God, to die in the place for sinners, as sinners believe upon Jesus for salvation, the, the Holy Spirit seals their salvation, right? He grants them repentance and, and faith, and, and he, 
you know, secures them, but then he also sustains them, right? He sanctifies us, right? So three distinct persons, one God, and we see two persons of the Trinity mentioned here in this passage, right? This morning, as I just read, right, that, that he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, seated at the right hand of God, uh, seated on high uh, with power, right? So there's, there's much more to be said for another sermon here. But I suffice to say that this verse proves Jesus' divinity, right? That he is God. And as we've even already talked about, too, that he is also human. So fully God, fully man. Uh, the two natures of Jesus, uh, they don't contradict each other. That's who he is. More to be said on that would, would Love to have conversations if, if need be afterwards or sometime this week with anyone who, who has questions or thoughts on that regards. But I would encourage you to learn more about that. I would encourage you to read Hebrews chapter 1. Right? So we're in Hebrews chapter 12. Read the first chapter of Hebrews to see more about the supremacy of God's son. Right? Or read the whole book of Hebrews right? as the author is, is teasing that out. But then I would also encourage you to read the Gospel of John. Read the Gospel of John to see the beauty of the Trinity, right, on the pages of Scripture as you read it. So I want to encourage you to do that. But, but only God could satisfy the wrath of God, right? So Jesus satisfied the wrath of God. So only God could take on the punishment from God due to sinners. And then only God can sit in the presence of God. And reign on the throne forever. So Jesus, in all of his power and majesty, sits on the throne as the reigning king who defeated all of our enemies. Sin, the grave, Satan. And one day he will do, with, do away with Satan, Satan forever. One day he'll do away with him forever. So right now he is reigning. He is ruling and he will be returning. And he's returning for his people. Those who have believed upon him by faith. Right? So he will return. So in light of all of this, family, as we come to a close, in light of all of this, Jesus is victorious. He is the victor. He is seated on the throne. And so because he is seated on the throne, because he is the victor, he's victorious. Christians, we can run the race. We can run the race well as we look to him as our victor. That's the main point of this sermon, right? Looking to Jesus as we seek to run the race well this year. So maybe run this race well, family, in 2022 by God's grace, trusting in his spirit and looking to Jesus. And as we look to him, you'll look more like him. And as you look more like him, you'll then live like him. Amen. Amen. So let's let's bring this to a close, family. Let's let's resolve all of us to live more like Jesus this year, to seek to look more like Jesus and to seek to share the message of Jesus more and more by God's grace. Amen. 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 Let me close this. Father in heaven come before you once again this morning, thanking you for your word. 
God, I pray that you would take your word and apply it to our hearts. That you would apply it to every heart on this call, my heart, all of us. And that your word would do the work in all of us in every way that you see fit. God, I pray ultimately that you would help us to live more like Jesus, that you would help us to look more like Jesus. And may that be our goal as Christians, that we want to look more like you, that we want to live more like you. And we want to help others live and look more like you by sharing this message. And in hopes that people might come to know you, burden our hearts for that, bring it about. Do only what you can do this year in us and through us and help us to trust you every step of the way, God. Help us to trust you more than we trusted you in 2021. You are worthy of our trust, of our hope, of our joy. And we love you and we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.